are live with Wednesday night chats with dads. I am your host, King King Smith. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and I do publish to my podcast, the Today in My Life podcast featured on all major platforms. So tonight on Chats with Dad, I have a guy who I was introduced to Right as I became a rookie in the stand-up comedy game, if you will. Some of the people that follow me know that I got behind the mic after learning the art of stand-up comedy through a nonprofit called the Armed Services Arts Partnership. And I was really thankful for having that experience, performing on the stage in front of a crowd, and then going through the rigmarole, if you will, of what a stand-up comedian... uh, aspires to do, which is hit up open mics and, you know, work on their craft. Uh, As I was going through that, I was also uh, in the process of uh, coming off of the end of a divorce and my stand-up comedy uh, 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 passion, which as I had to get my life in order. But before it kind of went to a screeching halt, I had the opportunity, shout out to Ari Warfield, one of my barbers here in Frederick, who put me on to this guy, uh, Tay Boogie, Dante. And she said, yeah, I have a homeboy who does stand-up comedy. Uh, I know he's got a show coming up. Uh, Reach out to him for advice and things like that. So I'm like, all right, cool. And this is the power of networking, right? So I reached out to Dante to just ask him for advice. That's all I was looking for. You know, it was like, hey, I heard that you've been traveling, doing this for a while. while. Do you have any advice for somebody that's new to the game? All right. And I sent him my link of me performing at the DC Improv for my grad show. Little did I know, he reached out directly to me and said, hey, yo, man, uh, I think you're funny. Would you like to perform? I was nervous as shit, but I didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth and say no I wanted to take that opportunity and I've learned to say yes to different things, even though I was nervous and scared. And I was glad that I did. Me and Dante, we kept up the friendship. I know that the guy is a father himself. And before I bring him on, I want to play a clip that I found of him. He doesn't know that I pulled this clip. I'm going to play this clip real quick and then I'm going to bring him on. I like you already. Karen, Karen be Sharon. I like that already. Things is going good for me nowadays, people. Yes, got a job. No more prostitution after nine o'clock. This shit is good. I tell you that, no prostitution, boy. I probably, what? Karen, I be prostituting. I take post-dated checks, food stamps, I take it all. What do you have in your wallet? You got cash? My number is 555. I can get it right. But I'm I'm into the whole dating thing now. I'm doing the dating thing. Looking for a lady and shit. Plenty of fish? Plenty of fish? Nah, I can't swim. I'm black. I don't swim. What the fuck am I jumping in the water for? There'd be plenty of dead tea in the water. Where my ladies that appreciate a brother trying? It's trying. I take you out there to what? Red Lobster and shit? Spend all that money just for you to say goodnight. I'm gonna tell y'all brothers how to work it right now. What you do is you take your ass to 7-Eleven, right? All right, y'all. That was comedy about six or seven years ago. Uh, that Tay had up on his YouTube channel, man. And I'm going to bring the brother onto the screen now, give him a little proper introduction, and we're going to chop it up for the next 50 to 55 minutes. Yo, Tay Boogie. (laughs) What up, bro? (laughs) Hey, man. uh, I went to go and try to see if I could find some of your stand-up, 
And I tried to find something that could be, you know, a little bit right. more on the family friendly side. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was still funny, man. And I said, he's got no idea I'm going to bring that man to play it. I forgot about that footage. I honestly forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, uh, I just want to say thanks for coming on to my show, man. I appreciate no you taking the time. It was interesting that when I reached out to you, you basically said, bet. That was it. You know what I'm saying? Just always, you know what I'm saying, man, uh, send me the details. And you were just like that when I first met you, man, and reached out to you. There's not a lot of people out in the world like that. So for me to you, I'm going to start this off by saying thank you. Oh, you're welcome, brother. Thank you for, you know, coming to me. Like you could have went a whole different route. So I appreciate you right back, King. All right. All right. Hey, man. So uh, my show is called Chats with Dads and uh, I'm bringing on men and guys who are fathers. So you are a father, right? Yeah, I forgot to pull out. <laughs> How many kids do you have uh, total, Tay? Total nine. But let's be clear. I wasn't that busy. OK. I mean, I was busy. But I wasn't that busy. Yeah. But. With my wife, you know, as a family, you take in everything that come with it. So we got a total of nine kids. Don't ask me to age, but just know we got nine. <laughs> All right. There's a uh, Carol Brown that said, uh, hey, King. Hey, Dante. Hey, Carol. Thanks for tuning in. She's a, she's going to try to embarrass me. That's my mother. All right. She's going to try to embarrass me. Mama Tay is in the building. That's what's up. <laughs> we need all she the dirt. All the juice that you got. Don't worry. I got I got ammunition right back. <laughs> That's what's up. So, Tave, so, uh, where are you from, man? I'm originally from Queens, New York, okay. all day. But, um, yeah, Long Beach, Queens, just basically New York. But I, gotcha. I represent Southside Jamaica. Okay. Okay, yep. so 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 uh, I I hope that I'm not disrespectful by doing this, but I've heard somebody else say this when they say Wagwan, is that Wagwan Brethren? Wagwan Brethren. Wagwan Brethren. Is that okay for me to say that like that, man? If I'm greeting you? Yeah, I'm not Jamaican, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. I just know the patois pretty well. All right. Cool. Cool deal. Um. So coming up in the game, man. Teenager. You know, you uh, you know, trying to find your place, man, in the world. Comedy. When did comedy become something that you was like, you know what, man, I can make people laugh and make money doing this? Comedy came all the way from the left field. Mm -hmm. Comedy was something that I never looked into, pursued, or anything like that. I basically had a bucket list. And on that bucket list, which is too crazy. I was like, you know, one day, you know, people always say, you funny, you funny, you funny. And I was like, I'm with it. Like, let's go. Let's go have fun. So I met this guy named Chad Beetle out there in Hagerstown. So I salute to Chad Beetle. He, um, he gave me my first chance. He gave me my first chance. And like you, I was nervous. But what was crazy was I wasn't nervous in the beginning, I was nervous when I got finished. Because mm. to me, it's almost like you're going to go watch a movie. You don't really know what you're getting into. So I didn't know how the crowd was going to take me. I had family members there, people I know there, and things of that nature. What up, David? That's my cousin. Oh, we got family in the building. That's what's up, man. So I wasn't nervous about doing the performance. I was nervous about everybody's reaction. So I knocked out the set, but then when I got finished, my legs were trembling mm. because this is something I didn't look at as a career. Like every, like pretty much every other kid from the hood, I thought it was going to be basketball. Nope. Football. Nope. None of the above. So it, it was just one of those things that I feel shifted in my lap and I decided to um pretty much take advantage of it. And like I said, with the grace of Chad Beetle. But yeah, that's Chad. that's that's where that's where it started from. I got the same way that I got referred to him as the same way that you got referred to me. So it's the cycle in the chain. All right. So let me ask you this. How did you work on your craft? Because like I shared at the beginning, 
I got into it by taking a class on stand-up comedy, learning how to craft a joke, all right? So at what point did you decide to hone on your craft and how did you go about doing that? Which is really interesting because I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be very blunt right now. I didn't... Sometimes I go through periods where I don't consider myself a comedian. Let me explain why. Because there's people like you, there's people that, you know, I've done shows with that go home, write material, you know, get their things down the way they want. And I respect that. So it's kind of like I feel like in a sense I'm, I cut the line a little bit. But every th- I, the first show I ever did, I wrote for and I stumbled in my head. I stumbled over so much. Mm. And I told myself, I will never write again. I'm not that guy. I could read. I watched Reading Rainbow and I had a Teddy Ruxpin. So I could read. <laughs> but remembering what was written down, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel when you're on stage and you're giving your performance and the crowd is laughing and you see that you got them at that point, you kind of want to stay with that then segue into something different. Me, when I'm reading something by script, I feel like I got to go by script. Mm. So I don't want to take the chance of losing anything. So when I met people like Chad, CJ, Bernie, um, uh, oh my God, it's it's quite a few Chris Abels. There's so many people like they, they have like books and I'm like, am I supposed to do that? Cause I don't have that in my arsenal. Like I, is, is this the right thing? And I just pretty much, I went off the top of my head after that. Chad hmm. Beetle, believe it or not, he said, this isn't your first time. This, this, that's not your first time on stage. I was like, Chad Beetle, I swear to God, like I've never done this before. But growing up, I've watched comedy. I've watched how it was done. I used to watch, and I still do it now. I watch to see people get booed. Like, that's how I do my homework. I watch to see people get booed, how they get there, how they segue, where were their strong points. I pay attention to how long the laugh was or how short the laugh was. How much clapping did you get with the laugh or how silent the room was. Mm -hmm. So... I never really based it on the jokes itself. I never really was like, oh, I'm going to say this. No, I talk about my life, what I've been through, where I think I'm going, and just the random stuff that goes to my head. So I never had a learning formula. So then when you do see people that that do this, you, well, me, I hit a point to where it was like, I'm not funny. Like, there's no, like, who am I? So I never took the advantage of taking the class. So I salute you for taking the class. Like anybody that does that, like that's like saying, I know how to cut hair, right? But I ain't never go to school for it, but I'm up in your barbershop. Hmm. When that state board dude come in, you're going to be trembling because you know you didn't do the work to get to that level. And I've been doing this, I believe, for almost nine years. And at one point, it was one to two shows a month consistently. Hmm. That's a lot of shows with no notes that I could go really back to. Yeah. So I, I never, I never really did freshen up on it or or take a class. I more so just, I what are we gonna talk about tonight? Hmm. But made it seem, but I didn't want to seem like a rookie like that. So I just took bits and pieces of what I learned, put it together, mix it in the pot. I'm not talking about drugs. And, you know, put it out there for sale. You know, as you kind of uh, go to different comedy shows and I'm friends with people that do comedy, you can like people's paths to stand up is completely different. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no right or wrong way to get into stand up comedy. The results are can you perform and make people laugh, you know? Ultimately, that's what it's you know all about. Like you'll be judged on what that crowd does when you got that yep. microphone. You know, I can recall the first time that I didn't 
hit on a set bro i wanted to give it up <laughs> i'm like yo and all of the greats they'll tell you man if you do stand-up comedy long enough you're gonna have a set that for whatever rhyme or reason you can perform that same set of jokes in one place and it does well and you do a different night in that same location but the crowd just it, it won't you. hit Man, I remember the first time that happened, bro. I'm like, I don't think I want to do this no more. When you, when you first Word. heard your uh, 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 first bad crowd, man, how'd you feel about it? Woo. My first one, my first one, I will not, I can't ever forget it. You can't. I had the pleasure of meeting, um, oh my God. Oh my God, what's his name? Omar Terrell. I had a chance to meet Omar Terrell, and we met in we met in um, Green Frogs over in um, Inwood in West V. He allowed me to come to a show. It was him and, and CJ Bernie in Baltimore over at Sully's. Now you could tell I'm small time because to me, Sully's is up there. Mm-hmm. To me, Sully's was was upscale. I'm like, oh shit, I'm I'm making it somewhere. Like I said, I don't write stuff down, but I went up there. I did my thing. But when I was up there, this is what I got. Damn. Never. Listen, I felt my hairline recede the whole time I was up on stage. And everybody at the end, you know, they give you that sucker clap, like, oh, yeah. I felt like they were clapping for me to get off the stage. <laughs> so I didn't feel like I wanted to quit, but I definitely went to go sit down and say, do I want this? Yeah. Is this what I want to do? I could be a, a pharmacist. I could work at CVS. Do I really want this in my life? So it, def- it definitely put me in check that. Hey man, it's gonna happen. I don't mm-hmm. care how great you are. I don't care what it is. And some of the jokes I recycled mm-hmm. that night that I knew hit in other places. You put me in an all white room, murdered it. All black room, murdered it. Latino room, I don't even speak Spanish, murder it. You put me in the hood, say something funny, funny man. Like we came here to laugh, and you're not it. Hey man. Like, Hey, as as, uh, two people of color, man, I remember my first urban room. You got to come with it in that situation, man. It's like, hey, you better be funny or you going to know it. And and man, let me tell you that somebody told me that, you know, but a majority of my crowds were the veteran crowd. And then when I performed in some non-veteran crowds, um, I did good. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, man, I'm, I'm doing all right, man. I performed right. my first urban room. Ooh, boy, it's that tough. was walking on fire. But it made me say, all right, you know what? That sucked. I kind of, you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this again. But when I said, you know what? That was one night you've been told that this is going to happen. So you're braced it for it. Yep. You find out where the chink in your armor is. You go home. How they doing the video games? Get the health pack. And now you know how to proceed and go forward. Yes, sir. The one show that I was like, I'm not going to lie. I was petrified. Like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was so in the zone that, you know, like in movies where everything gets quiet. That happened in my head. Yeah. I didn't hear nobody talking to me. I I performed at um, the Broadway Comedy Club in New York. And I was like, okay, I'm back home. My first show ever back home. And I know how we give it up. The Sandman is real. I I know this could go all the way left or all the way right. Mm-hmm. And when I got in there, the room was so intimate. I was like, oh my God, I have like I have to be funny. Like I almost considered, I'm be honest, like I said, I'm an open book. I almost considered stealing jokes. That's how scared I was. Mm, and, and I was uh, like, oh game, my that's a God. Big no. Like, I, I don't know if I could do this. 
Bro, mm -hmm. when I tell you I had the crowd going, I was Steve Harvey after that. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a comedian. Put this down on the date. I'm a comedian. But that fear that 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 leaves you frozen, that's real. When they show you in the movies, people, uh, and you'd be like, run. No, that's real. Because mm -hmm. that crowd, it was so, it was a, a, a mix. You had your thug people. You had your people that just got off. You had people that you felt like could relate to you. Matter of fact, the first show I did there, I had a, I met somebody. I'm still friends with her to the day, her and her husband. They live in, I believe it's France or Europe. And they came over and it was like, you were the funniest person that night. I need to get a picture with you. We exchanged Facebook and she was like, whenever you have a show like that in New York again, please let us know. We will fly over. That's dope. Man. My, my those, those moments right there. Uh, I never told you this from your show, from your show. About maybe two months later, I was at a Waffle House because I like Waffle House. Oh, definitely. Uh, hey, definitely. Hey, hey, I, I grew up on it. Like, that is my spot. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting there eating. And when I went to go and pay for the check, the waitress was like, uh, that couple over there pay for your check. And I'm like, it was an older white couple, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm at Waffle House by myself, solo dolo. And I'm like, why would they have no pity check over here? You know what I'm saying? Um <laughs> So I wanted to go over and say thank you. So I said, hey, um, I have no idea why you were generous enough to pay for my check, but thank you. And they were like, hey, no, man, we saw you uh, perform with Dante. And I think they might have known you because they said your your whole government name. Um, okay, yeah. And you were funny. And I recorded you saying that you were a veteran as well. So we just wanted to pay for your meal and say uh, thank you for your service. And I'm like, they remembered me from a five-minute set, you know, That's about crazy. six weeks prior. You know what I'm saying? And they just wanted to pay for my meal and say thanks for the laughs and thanks for serving, you know, the country. So I'm like, man, that's a small world. You never know how your interactions with things uh, are going to have impact, man, on other people. So let me flip this because I'm good at this. I do, I do these things. Let me flip this. All right, let's hear it. What made you want to pursue comedy? Man, so let's get real. I needed a distraction, and I didn't know it at the time. All right? A buddy of mine had participated in that Armed Services Arts Partnership nonprofit as well, and he was always talking about it. He's like, man, stand-up comedy, like, you just get this high from performing and, you know, making the crowd laugh and everything. And I didn't know it at the time, man, but, man, my marriage was going down the toilet. You know, I've, I'm at fault for, you know, a good bit of that. Like, I know this now. <laughs> I, I couldn't say it then. I know it now. But, <laughs> but having that distraction, man, at the time, I didn't know it. It was much much needed man just to get into that realm of just funny you know create the funny live in the funny be thinking about you know things that are just funny you know what i'm saying like i can right. laugh like i can laugh at a lot of different things that i probably shouldn't laugh at uh this but, is true that happens but, but what you kind of ha have that comedy idea about things man um like even though i don't perform anymore i'm still always thinking What's the funny in that? You know what I'm you saying? You have to. How to it gets you it. by. It gets you by. Yeah. Yep. So let's get personal, man, for you. Me and you are both Open parents. the book. Open the book. Uh, 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 was family something that you always wanted to, to have? Because I know for some people, they don't really plan on being, you know, family or whatnot. They have sex. Boom. You're pregnant. Uh, when your mm -hmm. first kid came along, man, what like, what's the story? You know, and kind of how that all went down. Pregnant? Well, not my pregnancy because I didn't have it, even though I looked like it. <laughs> um, I've always, I could say I've always wanted a family. Yeah. I'm, my family were big on family. I don't know if it's a New York thing or just you know, 
family tightness was always very important to me. Because mm-hmm. people in the world are always going to switch up on you. Family too, but at least that's somebody that you know you could turn to. So, you know, with my upbringing and my raising, and I see my parents, like, we was in the hood. Like, it's not a game. We were in the hood. And they did the best they could to raise me. When my dad left out, I believe I was like maybe 12, 13. But to me, he taught me enough to know the in the house part of the game. Okay. You know, like he told me about the streets, but growing up to be a man, he taught me the insides. So I was like, you know, I take that very dear and close to my heart. Learning the streets, a lot of people knew my father for whatever the heck he did. A lot of people knew him. So, like, when I went outside, I never really was alone. Gotcha. Never really was alone. So, like, oh, that's Slim Son. Okay, cool. So, that that tightness, I was like, you know, I want that one day. I don't know when. I want that one day. So, then when I found out that I was having my first child, my daughter Candace, she's 18 now, going to college, Eastern Michigan, you stand up. Shout out. He, um... Her mom, it was it wasn't supposed to happen. It it that wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer in if you could lay down and do it, you could stand up and pick up everything that come with it. Like, you know, I still when she was when she was a baby, I was still on demon time. I still was very immature mentally, but I know I'm supposed to be there. Okay. My parents didn't raise me to be absent through all the trauma and stuff that happened. My parents didn't raise me to be now you walk away from your responsibilities. So after that happened, I was like, okay, I got a daughter. I know I need to provide. I still didn't take life seriously, but I love the fact saying that I'm a dad and I'm present. Kind of ran into the same situation again. Wasn't supposed to happen. But sometimes, you know, alcohol is very real. I just want to put that out there. Alcohol, alcohol can put you in some situations to make you read stuff like saying, if you drink Mountain Dew, your sperm count drops. And then you believe that because you're drunk. So before you go party, you down a two liter of Mountain Dew and let's see if it works. No, here comes Taylor, my my middle child. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should sue Mountain Dew. but something was wrong with me because I repeated the same cycle Mm. whether it was the choice of women that I chose the actions that I chose to go by something was mirroring and I didn't see it because it happened a third time I'm a repeat offender (laughs) same woman this time same woman this time same woman but I'm a repeat offender so it happened but I've had full custody of my kids since they were very young all the way up to now, you know? So now, now having full custody of them and for a long time being a single dad, I appreciate what my parents brought to the table. I, uh, I appreciate my mom's patience because I, you know how they say you make your bed, you got to lay in it. I look at these kids like, yo mom, how, how did you do that with us? My parents caught me hang gliding out of my window with a hanger from a power cord. So my little black ass just flying through the sky. What were you doing? Hey man, don't ask me. Listen. <laughs> when you eat paint chips, shit happens, okay? <laughs> like, so like for them to put up with stuff like that and knowing that where we lived, how dangerous it was, yo, I gotta do nothing. Like mom, you in the comments salute. I appreciate that because it. I feel like it made me a better parent. It makes me want to hold close. So I didn't plan for a family, but I am, that's probably my life's best achievements is being a father. And I won't break that for nothing. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah, man. Good deal. Like I said, outside of meeting you that one time when me and you did stand up, man, we've linked up on social media and between your social media and your TikTok, you don't shy away portraying yourself with your family, being there with your kids 
and it's know, important just, just being silly man like you posted some stuff i'm like wait he did what if i could play it i would but because of the music i can't yeah. play it for, for this but man you you done some stuff i'm like i couldn't do that <laughs> i'm actually kicked off of tiktok i'm actually kicked off I found that out because I was going to tag you in this one comedian's thing. And I said, yo, this is hilarious. I went to go and tag you about maybe three weeks ago. Like, yo, where'd they go? So they yeah, kicked man. me off, bro. Man, I think I know you... what video I got kicked off of. Uh, but I was mad because I got that from somebody else and they mm -hmm. still up there. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, they hating. Uh, what'd you do? Uh, okay, I'm going I'm to edit it. I'm gonna edit it so that way it doesn't cause no no riffraff. All right. I got like I think it was like four or five of my female friends. I made sure they was different races. I made sure of that. And I told them, send me a video of you shaking your head no. It's it only got to be three to four seconds. That's all I need you to do. Send gotcha. me a video of you doing this. All right. They did. So I matched it up with the song. And I put it on there that I got from TikTok because I never heard it nowhere else. And in the song, it says, did you watch your haha -ha today? Did you watch your haha -ha today? But when they say that, it lines up and they'd be like this. Uh -huh. So the women are saying, no, I didn't watch my haha. -ha. And I'm like, oh, this is funny. You went against the community guidelines. Your page is permanently banned. I'm like. Mm. What the what? And mom, I see that comment. I didn't steal chips from my uncle's truck, um, food truck. We family, so it was borrowing without the intent of giving back. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. The a lawyer. I know how to talk that talk now. <laughs> hey man, um, so I met your now wife when y'all were. I don't know if y'all were engaged at the time. Yeah, we were engaged. Um, we were engaged. And and and. I'm going to give you my observation. It don't mean shit, but it's just my observation. <laughs> um, I like to see people supporting people. It is something that I try to do with people that I know are trying, man. And mm -hmm. something that I saw from your now wife was just that support, man. She was there for you, dressed up. You know what I'm saying? You had your own Big time. section over there. You know what I'm saying? But, but... I could tell that it's not just support. Like I, I can assume, and tell me if I'm wrong. I, I can assume that some of the things that you know goes on behind the scenes, she might be involved in, even though she's not in the entertainment. Oh yes, industry. oh yes, oh that's, yes. I'm definitely dope, inspired man. by my surroundings. I'm definitely inspired by people in my life that have no clue that they've inspired me. The show that we did. The moment you said about your daughter's name is Princess, right? Uh, Castle. Castle. The moment you said that, in my head at the instant, I was like, King Castle. King Castle. How can I use that in my life? King. So you right there, you inspired a cycle of jokes just that fast. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the people that's around me. And she she holds it down. My wife holds it down. I'm not saying this to get booty points. I'm saying it because it's real. She holds <laughs> me down. She makes sure that whenever we got a show anywhere, she makes sure she gets a new fit. She makes sure that, okay, maybe two hours before the show, I'm going to leave you alone so you can get some sleep. Do whatever you got to do to get ready. Whatever phone calls you got coming in, I'll take them. Like, she's definitely solid. When I'm, when I'm standing there, do you need something to drink? Nah, not yet. Or wait till you hear this joke. And she does it. She socializes with people. You know how sometimes in comedy, when you're with somebody, you got somebody that's really jealous and insecure and that will throw off your whole thing. No, I know what not to disrespect. I know what not to say. I know what not to do and how to interact. So the respect is there. Because on the flip side, when she, like right now, she's running for commission in Michigan city commissioner, I I give my support the same way. What do you need? How can I help? Where do I need to go? Even when she was city um, attorney, I don't care what might happen in my day. Come home. What happened, babe? 
what's going on. Everything's not about big bucks. Everything's not about, you know, fancy fly and flashy. Sometimes just that pure attention is more support than what you'll ever know. So yeah, she definitely she definitely holds it down like a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now you didn't marry any of your kids' moms, did you? Hell no. <laughs> he said, Hell no. Hell no. no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. So no. how did y'all meet and what made marriage a possibility? Okay. Very cool story. At the time, I was in a relationship. And I could say this on here because it's something that I believe. It's something that I live by. And I honestly practice it. Single or not single, I don't engage in road ass. Gotcha. I don't engage in it. No matter what. I don't care how bad you look. I've been in some situations I can't do it. I don't know what your motive is. I I can't mess with it. So I was still in a relationship. I ended up doing a show in Michigan. At the time, things were chippy back home. Not between me and her, but just chippy all around. And I wanted to leave. So when I went to the show and I did the show in Michigan, I never met her the first time. I had no clue who she was. Seen the area and I was like, yo, this is dope. I would move here. It's quiet. It's peaceful. I would move here. Got a chance to do another show in Michigan. We got called back for another show. Dope. I know what I'm walking into. Cool. But let's be honest. You know in the cowboy movies, in the like the westerns, and they had the one black guy that walks in and the music stops? Yeah. Yeah, that music stopped hard. Mm-hmm. So when we walked in, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> what? What are we doing here? We didn't come here last time. And she was standing there. She was talking to the um guy, Cat Williams. Not Cat. Whoa, whoa, pause. No. Cat Cannon. The Cat Williams? Okay, got you. Got you on the correction. And I was there. I man, chat his name right here. But um Cat <laughs> Canyon, he he's a performer, he's a singer, dope guy. Anybody, if you're on here listening, on my page, Cat Canyon, awesome songwriter and singer. They were talking, and she seriously, besides me, two others, and one guy behind the bar, was the only people of melanin. So I'm looking at her like, yo, I got to be her friend because, for one, she's beautiful. For two, she looks important. You look too important to be here. So you're somebody. Some people so, have this gravitas about it. Exactly. Man. It's like really she was there to enjoy herself, but the business, you could see it. Like, mm-hmm. she was there for basically support, and I seen that. She was supporting Cat Canyon. So I was like, I got to I gotta meet her. I got to talk to her. I got to extend, especially since there's no other melanated people in here. Yeah, you tell your friends to come out and meet my friends, and then we can all be friends type situation. Yeah. Come to the show we have tomorrow night. So we changed Facebook information. She stated that she was married. I'm like, cool. I'm in a relationship too, so never, never took it that way. You know, there was a few messages that went back and forth that was a little iffy. Like, is that all caps or is that lowercase? What do you mean? But like, we never did anything. And plus, she's in Michigan. Michigan. I'm in West Virginia. So things happen. My stepson, he passed away. He was five five years old. Mm. So my brain went on savage mode. Like I didn't. I didn't know how to deal with that. And at the same time, my dad was dying because he had a heart issue, the same kind that I have. So losing my stepson and my dad almost going to go up there to chill with him. My brain was just like, I got to get out of here. Me and her, we ended up breaking up. And, you know, it wasn't for crazy. It's like, the timing, everything just was coming to an end. We ended on a good note. We we sat down, we talked about it. Like, this is just what it is. It's hard for me to hear my kids say, Dad, I love you. And you don't have that with your son no more. It's hard for me to, to sit there and rock with that. So, you know, we talked, we split. 
you know, we felt like, you know, I still want to be with you, but ah, ah, so we let it go. So Tamaris kept hitting me to make sure I was all right. Because, you know, when something bad happens to people, people normally generally care for about the first four weeks, maybe. Then after that, it's hashtag party life. But she yeah. consistently, consistently, are you okay? Are the girls okay? Is there any way I can help you? Anything you want to talk about? So her support in that way was like, yo, you really care. So then we had this rule. I like you, you like me. I'm not in a relationship. You're ending your relationship. 50, 50 miles. If we're in 50 miles of each other, we got to let each other know because all this saucy talk, something going to happen. It, it, we grown. And all this saucy talk is leading up to saucy time. And we ended up meeting, hanging out. I kept telling her, you know, my situation, I really don't want to be in West V no more. Everything, like even in the barbershop, everything was savage. People were looking like food. I got a problem. I got a chip. Even with people that never did nothing to me, I want to smack your face off. And that's not me. I mean, if the situation is that, yes. If but it to initially just pop out there, that's not me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I got to get out of here. I go to the grave site almost every other day. And mentally, it's just festering, festering, festering. Ended up moving to Michigan, dated for a while, proposed to her in my penguin costume because she loved penguins. And it was hot. Anybody out there, if you're going to propose in a mascot uniform, breathe before you get in there. Breathe, please. Let me make sure I heard this right. You know that your now wife loves penguins. So to show your love and support of her, you propose in a penguin suit. Yes, I did. I'll post a video later for you. I am not surprised. <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> I almost passed out. When I got on my knee, I didn't know if I was going to make it up. <laughs> but, and it's been A1 since day one. Like, we've been, it, it just is what it is. You know, so that's how that happened. Okay. Very grateful for it. I, I now believe that, you know, you got to pay attention to your blessings. You got to pay attention to the signs that's around you. I always say that when anything, anything that's going on, there's a sign in that. Me and you having this conversation, it's a sign in that. It might be some dad out there that don't know how to move in a situation that he's in. And he see two people that might look like him and kick an idea in his head. So everything's a sign to me. I take everything as a sign. Um, I have to ask you, man, I've talked about on my platform several times mm -hmm. that I've got a heart condition as well. You shared that you have one. How has that affected your life personally? If you don't mind sharing. A lot. Hey, let me start off. I'm just going to kick this off the rip. Initially, because of the meds that I was taking, I wasn't able to give a salute the way that I should have. And, that hurts. And, and, as a guy, you know what I'm saying? It's that can take a toll on you, right? Oh now, yeah, once, definitely. Once I figured once I figured it out, you know what I'm saying? It took some things to correct it, you know what I'm saying? To well, I'm dun, King, dun, Smith, dun. King Smith is here for duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my personal opinion on it is that it did have a factor in my marriage. You know what I'm saying? Oh yes. Um, so for you, man, you know, you find out about your heart diagnosis. Um, how did that affect you personally? At first I was on some real, whatever's clever. I love my kids, but I'm willing to, it's whatever. If I have to go tomorrow because of my heart, whatever, like I don't have, you know how people get cancer and they become fighters? I didn't have that bone in my body. I was like, it is what it is. I might as well while out until it's time. That's how I was. Yeah. It's like, you know, you end up drinking more, partying more, hanging out more, doing stuff that you really normally wouldn't do. Or if you did do it, you just took it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Like my saying when I used to go out and anybody that's party with me will tell you, I want to drink until I'm almost dead the next morning. Like, I want to feel almost dead. 
and I was living that life. So I wasn't doing my heart any justice. So after my pops died, you know, I felt like that took a, a lot more stress on me. Then I found out, you know, how bad my heart was and like, yo, hey, bro, like this ain't good. And I ended up getting an LVAD. I went in because I thought my body was just retaining too much water. And I told my wife, I said, babe, I feel like I'm dying. And she didn't take that not one bit funny. She wasn't even home. That conversation happened over the phone. She sent her family members to come get me. So when I got to the hospital, I'm like, uh, I'll be in and out. Nope. Soon as I got in there, they was like, okay, you need to stay because your heart's not good. Now, okay, whatever, cool. Tay, Tay, Tay. So when you said I felt like dying, you kind of breezed past it. Like, what did you feel? Like, was your body hurting? Was your chest tight? Like, what were the things that caused you to say those words? Believe it or not, I was at peace with everything. Like, I was like, I'm okay. My body, I don't feel like pushing it. I'm tired. If I'm going to go sitting right here on this couch, I feel like I'm done. I feel like I'm wasting away. Mm. My vision, my sense of taste, everything in me just, hey, man, I'm just happy right now. So Scared, so, but happy. So you felt different. Way okay. different. Okay. There was no motivation for anything, but I didn't feel like, oh, my God, I'm in pain. I didn't feel none of that. Cause I just felt like I'm ready to accept what it is. My yeah. body is telling me, dude, we can't do this no more. Too many times. And and see, the, the reason why I ask that is because too many times, you know, people, whether they have health insurance or not, you know, I think men anyway, men will typically go, you know, if it ain't falling off, they're not going to go get seen about it. You know what I'm right. saying? So you said something to your wife. Mm -hmm. and, she, and and she was the one that pushed you to go and get seen and that's how you found out about your bad ticker bro listen i mean i found out about it beforehand but we didn't know how bad it was okay okay so when i got in there it was like look at first matter of fact when i was in west v my heart was working at 35 percent. that's what it was 35 when i got here they said your heart's working at five percent you're not going home you're staying here we're going to get you set up Yo. to get this surgery. And, you know, in the next few days, we'll get this. Mm. Well, the moment that they walked out and came back, they had to come back because they said, OK, we're moving you to emergency surgery because your heart went from five to two percent right that fast. And I was like, oh, shit. So I even told my wife, like, hey, I don't I don't got the fighting bone. If I go on this bed right now. Hey, man, it was real. It was fun. The things I thought I would regret, no, turned them into learning lessons. Hmm. And I hope that my kids got as much from me as possible. I hope my family loves my presence. My friends or people that I'm associated with loved being around me because there's a lot of fake love. And it is what it is. If, it, if he's calling me, I got an answer. I can't. Hey, God, I'm not going to die just yet. I'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Hey, Big G, hold on, player. I still got shit I need to do. <laughs> you remember that one chick? Hold on. She's talking to me now. Like, <laughs> But um, I ended up having an LVAD surgery. An LVAD, sur LVAD is a pump that works your left ventricle and your heart. So basically, I have a walking um, life support. Like, I live basically off of batteries. And, like, my batteries give me about 12 to 14 hours before I got to change out. When I go to sleep, I got to plug into this wall unit. It's a whole thing. I'll make a video on it later. But I'm living, I'm living off a machine, and it made me appreciate life. It made me appreciate things like this, having a chance to connect and talk to people. When I was ready to give up, I was like, yo, it's, it's cool. Now I want to live. I want to use things that happen to me in my life to help other people. If I make a post talking about doing something in a certain position outside in the middle of a snowstorm, people are going to flock to that. They're going to, they're going to always go to that. Oh, tell you crazy. I say something about, you know, the government or health. I get zero comments. 
So I see that y'all like the wild stuff. We can't like now I have the chance to tell you like, hey, don't give up. Do not give up. I'm not going to be all religious and stuff. I have my own thoughts, beliefs and things of that nature. But don't give up. You can't give up. The moment you give up, it's going to happen. Everything is going to crash around you. So it's like the whole heart thing, the whole, you know, being like you said, the salute, like that once that happened, it's like, hey, man, how the hell am I going to keep you happy? My jaws only work for but so long. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? So, like, it, it does mess with you. Then you start feeling like you're not going to want me. You're not going to want to hang around me. What am I good for? Now I'm moping in my own bucket of tears. Nobody wants to be around that. Now my kids ain't going to want to be around me. So mentally, that heart does a whole lot more than what people think. It, it, it'll it mess you up. Yes, sir. But the medicine that got me on there, boy, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I take it sparingly. I'm like, hey, man. I sometimes I ask my wife, I'm like, hey, what kind of night we having? I need to know. Am I taking it <laughs> a whole one or a half? What are we doing here? Yeah. Do you want vintage tape or do you want transformative tape? Where we where we at? <laughs> hey, man. You, you know, it, see, it's funny that you can laugh and say that, and that you have a supportive person that you know didn't just go. I ain't signed up for this. I'm exactly. Out. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's cool, man. Uh, 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 that's special, bro. That She's mad because I didn't tell her in the first place. Because I'm like, if I tell you, you're going to leave. Yeah. Hey, I had to learn to be accepting of that. And initially, I was not confident enough to say, hey, so I got a heart condition. Um, that I've since changed my meds, so it's not that big of a deal as you know how I was. But it used then, to be. You know what I'm saying? But it is still a factor. I also have to lose weight. I know this. You know what I'm saying? That's um, the hardest part. <laughs> that is the hardest part, bro. bro. <laughs> I like to eat, man, and I ain't as active as I used to be. Um, so, you know, if I was to, because I publicly said I don't know if I'm going to go the route of, you know, finding a wife again. That's a bad way of thinking. I know this. I also know the way that I think. Um, and, 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 but I also do live in, Hey man, the best that I could do is be me. You know what I'm saying? And if you like me for me, great. Let's rock. If not shit, I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> right. You know I, see, I see the time ticket. So I just want to say this right quick. I tell people this all the time. I can't find somebody that loves me. I can't find somebody that likes me. I can't find this. Stop looking. That's mm -hmm. that's just my view. Yeah. Stop looking. When you look for certain people, you build up attributes in your head of how they should be or how you want them to be based on if they got money or looks or whatever attracted you to them. You start to see other things that you want in them that never was there. I agree. And you're blind to it. So therefore, you built up this whole Prince Charming and then when shit go left, you're like, I can't believe he did that to me. You were looking for something and that's what you found instead of letting it just happen. Yeah. I know plenty of people that say the same thing you said. I'm not in the business of looking for it. Don't. Hey, if it comes your way, accept it. If it never happens again, it is what it is. But the moment I feel you start looking for something, you lose your keys. You'll look all over your house. So you'll never find them. <laughs> the next day you'll come and sit down boop, right there and you know you looked there a hundred times so I carry that the whole thing when it comes to people looking for relationships or being in relationships so that's just a gym I'm dropping on all y'all people out there don't be looking just let it happen <laughs> there you go hey uh, I would like to acknowledge this comment this is a guy who's been a supportive of uh, supporter of my show, man, a pretty good dude, army vet. He said, like Churchill, Winston Churchill, for those who uh, who might, who's Churchill? Uh, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. I believe in that. I believe in that too, you know, and that's what life. I'm still in that, Dave. I'm still that, in that. That is what life, man. Uh, I talked about it. I have 
different live streams that I do on my platform. And one of the things that I talk about is uh, don't not letting failure stop you. Like if you fail, it's because you wanted to fail. You were not persistent in doing whatever it was that you were trying to achieve. Learn from what you failed at and try again. Uh, the only person that you should blame for something being a failure is yourself. In my a thousand opinion. percent. In my a opinion, a thousand percent. You know, so I was selling. I was selling vacuums for Kirby, and one thing I took from that because I can't sell for shit. I'm not a drug dealer. I will never be. They'll take my money, and I'll be like, I. Right, I'm not. A, I can't sell. But the pitch that we had to give to the people at the door. He told us something and it just sticks with me forever. And I hope whoever's listening, it rocks with you. When you're telling people something, nobody knows you messed up but you. So if you know how to conquer that and keep it pushing and to keep trying and to keep pushing forward, they'll never know you messed up. They'll never know hmm. the failures because they didn't expect a certain thing for you to say to them. So with that being said, hey, man, nobody knows the plan that you have, even if you tell people, that doesn't mean whatever's in your mata is going to go that way. Yeah. Only you know what you messed up, so you come back and fix it. Don't let other people tell you what you're not because they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Hence to doing the comedy. You don't know what I'm going to talk about up here, so don't judge me before I get up here. Now, when I get off, if you want to judge, hey, that's up to you. But before, nah. Only you know what you was going to talk about. You know how many times I got on stage and left out jokes upon jokes upon jokes. I'm like, ah, I forgot to say it. Man, I, oh, I hate those times. Like, oh, I should have put it. Can I know that would have? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Yep. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, man, we are coming up at, uh, at that time. And yeah, unfortunately, our hour goes fast. That hour goes fast, man. I've said it, I think, after almost every episode um stand by man i'm gonna close out the show real quick um hey everybody dante tay boogie in the building salute is nice oh yeah <laughs> oh man call it my butterfinger the butterfinger All chocolate right, and gold chocolate and gold all right man i'm gonna close out the show real quick salute dante tay boogie like I said, for everybody that tuned in and chimed in and left comments, thank you. To Mama Tay, Carol Brown, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the comments. I appreciate everybody, David, David, <laughs> who left a comment onto the live stream. And uh, she said, awesome show, guts, but she made guys. I figured that much. I figured that much, <laughs> but I like the correction as well. I uh, saw the comment, looked over, laughed. Hey, I do this every Wednesday. Sometimes I'm going to have a guest. Sometimes I'm going to be rocking solo dolo. I appreciate Dante for taking the time to come on and share his life. There, there was other stuff that, I man, we could have really gotten into, but I like to be mindful of my guest time and keep it at an hour and for the people that tune in and watch the show as well like i said you can find this on facebook twitter twitch my youtube channel the actual king smith go over there and give it a sub and a like and on all major podcasting platforms if you look up today in my life hosted by king smith that is my show for tonight thanks for tuning in and i'll be back next week peace Thank you.